Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life? You've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game. And you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you, apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. She is the host of the Sexology podcast. She is your go-to expert for all things sex and healthy sex and having great sex. Uh, We're so excited to have her on this episode because I know that you all love when we talk about this topic. So help me welcome Dr. Mawali to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm very excited about our conversation today. Yes. 
I want to just actually start out with asking you, and I know we have a past episode. So for everyone listening, go check out our last episode too. It was so, so good. But just tell our audience a little bit about what brought you to this particular field and why study this. I would, I would love to hear that. Sure. So I'm a a clinical psychologist and I was always from childhood, very comfortable talking about sex and sexual health. But what's interesting is when I was in graduate school, I developed a sexual challenge that I had. And I, back then I didn't even know sex therapy exists. So my partner and I, we went to a couple's therapists for a month. We got really good in communication, and, but our sex life wasn't shifting. And then the couple therapist referred me to a sex therapist who changed my life. <laughs> I, it, it just, she, what she did was very transformative for me, not even only in the area of sexual health and how kind of reaching my uh, kind of sexual goals that I have in the relationship but change who am I and how I look at sexuality because most people they don't have proper education and more important we don't we have tons of misinformation and myth that we internalize about sex and sexual health and then that's why I was like oh my god this is so great I want to do what she does <laughs> and that's how I, love it. I specialize in this I love it. Was there any time where you were telling your family and you're like, Hey, I'm going to be a sex therapist. Was, was there any, like, I don't know, awkwardness or any, anything dealing with that? It's funny. So I immigrated from Iran and I talk about this a lot in Iranian TV. And as you can imagine, that sex is a taboo topic. And my dad said, after all these years of education, <laughs> sex was the only thing that you could ever specialize on. <laughs> because whenever he turns on the uh, TV, I'm talking about sex in one of the channels. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, it is so needed. I'm so glad that you have taken this path because it's just not talked about enough. And I love what you said about, it's not just about sex itself, but there's a lot of identity pieces and being able to integrate a healthy sex life and who, who you are in the bedroom. I feel like that's also so key to just who you are as a person and just how you show up in your day-to-day life. So I love that you're, that you're doing this work. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, giving me the space to talk about this thing. Yeah. So there's a ton of questions I can ask you, but one of the things on my mind lately is this term polarity. I feel like it's getting talked about a lot and people don't necessarily know what it means. So talk to us about what does it mean and how does that impact your sex life and your relationship? Great question. So people look at polarities from different perspectives. But when I hear about polarity, I think about that initial spark you have with someone. There are some similarities, but there are some differences. And that creates tension and excitement. And you get curious about it. Some people talk about it in a more of a feminine energy versus masculine energy and how these complementary styles can really make things exciting and erotic uh, in the relationship. 
relationship. And what happens at times when we are in relationships, we get this idea of like, we got to create this shared experience of being together all the time. And what happens is that we lose a part of ourselves, right? What drew us initially to the partner was like that uh, that curiosity and a different that they had, that differences between their personality and things that they like. But now, because of the script that many people have, they think about if we are a couple, we must think to get like the same way. They, we must be interested in the same things. And we are one unit, which is beautiful, can be beautiful. But in order for you to be able to create, maintain that polarity that makes sexual experiences so juicy and exciting, it's important for you to work on uh, uh, maintaining your individuality, which we can talk more about that. I love this. It honestly makes me think about attachment theory, of course. Right. And I I go back to that and just this idea of secure attachment. When we have secure attachment, I'm sure you would agree with this. We're more able to hold on to ourselves as individuals. And I imagine that helps with the attraction and the, the polarity. Absolutely. And I know we just recorded an episode of you being on my show. So please uh, invite people to listen to that. And we were talking about an anxious attachment style and how people get triggered by anxiety of losing the partner. And that really can impact that polarity, right? But now we're committed in the relationship and we might be scared of saying what we like in the bedroom. What are some of the things that we are interested in? Or we might promise, make promises that's not aligned with who we are. And that can create less of the spark because what's really uh, makes your sexual experiences interesting is you showing up authentically as yourself. And our erotic mind has so many different layers that as you're introducing that part of yourself, when you're comfortable, as you mentioned, when you're coming from the secure attachment style, that can be very attractive to you and to your partner. Mm, I love it so much. And I, I feel like the masculine feminine energy doesn't actually, I mean, it's important to think about that, but I actually really appreciate this definition of it because I think it is so important to be authentically ourselves, to hold on to our, our identities and how that plays into attraction. Obviously there's, there's masculine feminine, but I really like this perspective. So thank you for sharing it. What do we do if like, let's say we're one to three years in and we feel like we've kind of lost some of the spark? Because I think this can happen to any couple. Like, I really just want to normalize it, right? This is not, this is a common thing where you go, wow, I'm just not feeling quite as sexually attracted How do you approach it? Where do you begin? Tell us what to do. Well, I I love that you started from the place of normalizing it because big part of that initial spark and rush for many people is role of the biochemistry in their brain and chemistry of the brain and how things are developing. And there is uh, nothing wrong with the all of these shifts and adjustment that comes in different kind of chapters of the relationship. It requires that if you this invitation to examine that, what do we need to do right now? We want to change, change the dynamic. But as you said, that initially, because of the novelty, because of how interesting and different things can be, people 
experience sexual encounters more spontaneous. But as we are in this deeper level of commitment and connection with our partner, for a number of different reasons, people kind of like passion might fade or their desire might fade. There was this interesting study that looked at a women's desire in long-term monogamous relationship. And they found that women's sexual desire drops first couple of years of in a committed relationship. And they were talking about the importance of novelty for women. I know that most people think women are uh, like this, we heard this generalization, women are not interested in sex. But what happens for many women, they feel uninspired. Like it's they're like many couples, they do the same routine over and over again. Although it might be very exciting for the first couple years even. But after that, there are going to be some changes in order for you to feel, at least for most people, to feel engaged and curious. So that could be part of it. The other part is the kind of thinking about How are you navigating this togetherness as we were talking about it? It's really important to dedicate things for yourself, to do things that energize you and make you feel confident. Uh, And that helps you to show up more as yourself in the relationship. And, you know, Esther Pearl talks about how uh, sexy it can be to see our partner in their own elements. So kind of that also can help you to be showing, being comfortable showing different parts of yourself to your partner. The other thing that happens is sometimes people uh, experience themselves kind of they take each other for granted in a way, right? That mm-hmm. before we were anticipating going on dates, we were thinking about what am I wearing, kind of like how am I going to seduce the partner? But now that maybe we are cohabitating, maybe we're more comfortable, we don't put as much intentionality in this kind of like the, the sexual aspect of our life. Sometimes people say that I'm exhausted all the time and I don't want to schedule sex. I don't want to have this dedicated time to connect with my partner. I want sex to be spontaneous. But in reality, you have no space in your calendar. And in order for you to be able to really show up with your partner to your partner and with connecting with themselves, you have to be at this place of relaxation in order to experience uh, sexual response. And if you are in the middle of a crazy day, we might be so stressed that it would be hard even if you want to to experience sexual arousal. And uh, we can definitely talk about novelty. Kind of bringing novelty into relationship is really important. Oh, there's so many gems that, that you just shared. I, I think it's interesting just to kind of add to this. I've heard from research that women rely on also feeling attracted to themselves. Like that that's part of our arousal is feeling attracted to ourselves and feeling like we feel sexy and confident. Have you found that to be true in research as well? Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is that many women, uh, they have this idea of how sexy looks like, right? We get bombarded Mm -hmm. on this is the type of body kind of appearance movement that's sexy, but they have no idea of how it feels inside. First of all, I invite every woman, every uh, person who listens to this conversation, try to identify their own brand of sexiness. Because everyone's brand is in a way is different. Because if you're trying to copy someone's personality or style or sexual mm-hmm. connect, the way that they connect, uh, it might not be a good fit for us. 
But I think it's really mm-hmm. important to identify that and also working on building a positive uh, self-image and also confidence in your body, which is given the diet culture right now, can be a definitely a tough journey. Oh, I love this so much. And I, I love when you were talking about seeing your partner in their element. My partner is a fly fisherman, which I could care less about fishing. Right. But when I watch him out in the river and he's doing these beautiful casts and he's in his fly fishing gear and he's so, so good at it, it's definitely a turn on for me. So I, I think it's, it's interesting going back to what you said about authenticity and just like seeing people in their element, remembering that authentic is hot, like not trying to, you know, for him would be like, maybe try to like put on a suit or like look a certain way. But when I see him as his best self and his most authentic self, having fun and enjoying what he's doing, that's so hot to me. So I think it's a great reminder. And I love that question of like asking yourself, when do you feel sexy? Because a lot of us are probably going to be surprised that that's very different from like society's idea of what sexy is. Absolutely. And I tell people to dress rehearse that part of yourself. If you feel uh, disconnected, maybe you can connect with that part of yourself within movement. Many of my clients, they say, like, when I dance, I feel more connected with my body or when I go for a run. It does, you don't necessarily need to do sexual stuff to feel sexy. It's more about kind of like that uh, feeling of confidence and that energy of like, I got this a sense of mastery that can translate to this sexual energy. I love it. I love it so much. Um Going back to this a little bit where, where we started. So the novelty piece, I know you're talking about that. What are your tips for having that conversation with your partner? You know, I know it's, it's obviously something where we want to be really kind. We want to be sensitive. We want to try to prevent our partner, like from feeling like they're not good enough or that they have to be defensive. So what are your tips for helping this go well? Well, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> so I have tons of tips and strategies yeah. for that. First of all, I think regardless of if you're satisfied with your relationship or dissatisfied, I invite people to have sexual check-in with each other. I talk about it with my clients. We call it sexy happy hour. So it could be once every other week or once a month. This is a dedicated time to me that you and your partner are talking about your sex life. You can wear something sexy. You can be naked, have cocktails, mocktails. And we're talking about kind of like checking in about what, what's working in the relationship and what we want more of. And the idea at times, it can be helpful to think about, we're going to get some ideas on what to do. But the main idea is to get to know your partner's erotic persona. What are some of the things that they are interested in? So if we have those recurrent times that we're meeting uh, together and discussing these things, then that would be a great opportunity to talk about the sex life that you have, things that you want. Uh, It could be even something fun as let's create a sexual bucket list. Like let's talk about sexual buckets of 20 things that we want to see what are some of the shared interests that you have. So I think the first thing is to kind of maybe starting if you feel comfortable. Uh, First of all, you wanted to make sure that you have that dedicated time. 
Sometimes people mm-hmm. start talking about it at the times that's not a good time for the partner, or they start talking about it in the middle of sex that the partner might not be as open. So again, if you want to do dirty talking, all sorts of fun things, that's absolutely okay. But if you want to be heard and from having the important conversation, we're talking about dedicated time. And then into that time, you can start with saying some of them talking about the best sexual experiences that you and your partner had. I'm talking about what were some of our best experiences, talking about what made that experience so special for us. And then you can talk about what do we want more of? What are you curious more about? So there, mm-hmm. it can come in different ways. Sometimes I invite people to kind of during sexy happy hour, talk about their sexual fantasies. When do you want to talk about our sexual fantasies? It's important to, I tell people there are like three layers of sexual fantasies. Layer one is the one that perhaps like you can talk about it. Like I can talk about it in my show. It doesn't necessarily is a super private. Level two would be something that you talk about it with your best friend. And level three, maybe that's something you haven't talked with anyone in the past. For first conversation, I would say that let's start with level one or two. So one is keep it fun and playful. So and mm-hmm. to see what, what our partners might be curious about. And then kind of we can maybe after that see if there are things that are you guys are interested in. So that's one approach. The other approach is that for people, you can if there's specific thing that you're curious about, you can say that like I heard about this thing in this podcast. I read about this thing. What would you think about that? So to mm-hmm. see if the partner is interested in that particular things or not and kind of like that can be a opening for that conversation. Mm-hmm. And the last strategy is there are tons of yes, no, maybe lists. I have one on my website that people can answer. You can answer it separately and come together and talk about the shared one that you like. But regardless of what you're choosing, I think this needs to be an invitation versus kind of like mm-hmm. putting pressure on your partner as something that's a must. So good. I think everyone should go get that list. What's your website just so they can find it? Oh, thank you. Sexologypodcast.com. And if they go under free stuff, they can find the list. Awesome. And I love, I love, love, love this conversation. I keep going back to really to be able to have these conversations and allow yourself to be your authentic self and your, your sexual identity and explore, right? Like it's really an exploration. I just feel like you really need secure attachment with your partner and the ability to, I guess, like really communicate what your needs and wants and preferences are without that fear of abandonment or without fear of intimacy, fear of getting closer to someone. There's, there's just a lot here that's connected to, can you relax in a relationship? Can you be confident? Can you open yourself up? Can you be honest? And I think what's fascinating to me is that this is what people don't realize about long-term relationships. Cause you know, in society, like there's all this talk about like, oh, you're with the person forever and it gets boring in bed, but with a great healthy connection where you have that honesty, openness, secure attachment, it can be so fun, right? Like it can be exploration and you're just becoming more and more of your authentic selves and experimenting more and more. But I just, I think it's so interesting how society paints it so differently. 
Absolutely. And how like it needs to be like happily ever after all the time. You know, we just were just talking about that. Yeah. And we have no script of what is what is what does it look like to maintain that relationship or that sexual connection after you are with the person. Yeah. And that's why we need people like you, because nobody's talking about how to do this, right? Like we're thinking if the spark goes away, that there's just something wrong with us. Maybe we're falling out of love when in reality it's, Hey, what if you work on becoming more of yourself, learning to be more open, becoming more vulnerable, and ultimately becoming more connected with your partner over time. So I love this conversation. It feels like it just connects so well with what I teach about secure attachment. Moving on. So I have a lot of listeners who are dating and they're healing. They're they're definitely recovering from relationships that weren't so great. And a lot of people will talk to me about feeling like they don't have a voice in the bedroom or they've never expressed what their needs or wants are, or they don't even know what their needs or wants are if they were to ask themselves. So where can someone start if they're just learning about their sexual identity and their needs and wants? Like how, how do you get started? I love that question because as you said, it's just so common for people to grow up with disappointing uh, kind of like uh, interactions, especially sexual interaction. I know for many women, although we talk about consent at times, they just don't know that what they like and that can also uh, create dissatisfaction for them. So the first step I invite for people to get curious themselves about their body. I think that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have this hope that if the person is compatible with me, they would know what I like. And that is just a trap because all of us sexually are different. We all have our uh, erotic blueprint, which is like a combination of emotion experiences that makes things exciting for us. And first step for every person is to get to know themselves, get to know their bodies, that uh, what kind of a texture I like. What kind of a temperature feels good for me? If they feel comfortable getting, uh, experimenting with uh, solo experiences like masturbation, kind of thinking about what are some of the fantasies that arouses me? What are some of the interaction that charges me? So the more information you have about yourself, the easier it will be for you to have that conversation. Because as I said, like some, as, as you mentioned, that at times the confusion comes from not knowing, regardless of the context gets really good on knowing uh, about your body, what kind of touch that works, uh, what kind of things that are arousing. And then I think it's really important to think about what are some of your sexual accelerators and what are some of the sexual brakes. So when we're thinking about sexual response mm -hmm. model, it's like driving a car. Uh, you have to push on the gas pedal and remove the brake. So for many women, what gets in the way of them leaning into that kind of like sexual part of themselves is having too many 
breaks. Breaks could be self-image issues that we talk about. Break could be the uh, pain from the previous relationship. And kind of like getting to know what is the accelerator for you. Maybe having that connecting experience with your partner or maybe accelerator for you would be a kind of kinks and fetishes and things of that nature. If people are interested to more to explore more their erotic world, like one easy thing is thinking about the books that you read or the scenes that you've seen in the movies. Are there any of those mm-hmm. things that's been arousing and that can give you some cues on what elements of your kind of erotic template? But if you know what you like, I think it's really important to talk about it outside with the outside the kind of sexual encounter with a partner and talk about negotiable and non-negotiable with them. Mm -hmm. And it's really helpful to kind of talk about boundaries. I know that sometimes it feels unsexy to talk about boundaries, but that helps you to get more comfortable with the partner. So many things we can talk about when it comes to communicating things. But I think the main, main part would be for you to get to know yourself. I love it. Oh, so good. Yeah. Knowing what the brakes are, what the accelerators are, And I think learning about those, obviously, and then being able to communicate them with your partner, I think we have to remember our partners would love to have that information because sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to offend them. But in reality, partners love when we're just open, honest, direct, and they have that information because it feels good being able to give your partner pleasure. So I love, I love that you brought this up. Well, thank you. Yes. I think kind of getting comfortable with asking what you need. I think it's really important Mm -hmm. and it's a skill that I invite people to practice. I love it. So I'm sure you've seen this. I, I know you have, and I know I've worked with this too. What, what happens when a couple stops having sex? And let's say it's a year and then it's two and maybe we're even getting closer to the three year mark and they just have not had sex, but they still value the connection. They want to have a relationship. I would be curious your thoughts on why that happens. And then obviously kind of what would be some of the the steps to try to work through that. Such a common challenge. Like some research even shows that 20% of married couples in America are in sexless relationships. So wow. sexless relationship 20. 20% is huge, right? That I'm thinking about the couples that you know. And as you said, there are at times that there are huge ruptures in the relationship and you're with the kid uh, with the with your partner because of your children. But majority of times I see people every day in my practice that they have they are great companions or they they have good friendship, but they haven't been sexual for a while. And there are a number of different reasons that can lead to that. It could be psychological, relational, or physiological health related. So health related is that if there are some health issues, then sex can become deprioritized. But that's even less common. What I see that at times we go through different chapters of life. For example, many of my clients are the parents of younger children. So like having a young kid caused them to feel kind of like the kid is a priority, kind of like survival of the kid is priority. And that deprioritize sex and pleasure 
paired with at times people feel differently about their bodies after having kids, paired with at times we are not intentional about modes of communication with our partner. You want to be in a lover to lover mode with your partner, but sometimes because of stressful situations, we can change and switch to the uh, parent to a child with our partner, which is a, such not a sexy dynamic to be. So the changes, transitions in relationship could be the uh, one of the reasons that lead people to be in sexless relationships. The other common one is when we have a sexual dysfunctions. Sexual dysfunctions are very common in relationship. Like I, I was looking at some statistic around 30% to 40% of people lifelong, at some period of time, they might struggle with sexual functioning. Examples could be erectile unpredictability, a painful intercourse, it could be low desire. And when it shows up in the relationship, when you're with your partner, some people feel very discouraged. For example, if you're losing an erection, then you might think that, oh my God, I'm defective. The partner might feel like my partner is not interested in me. And we start telling ourselves stories that now impacts our connection outside the bedroom. Or it's common for people to what we call to develop the secondary sexual dysfunction. Maybe your partner has sexual challenges and then now it leads you to kind of struggle as well. For example, if your partner has painful uh, intercourse, it's common for the partner to develop low desire. So there are a number of different reasons that people can land in this place of sexless connection, but it's important to see what was the trigger initially, right? That if Mm -hmm. it was a sexual dysfunction, working on kind of like addressing it individually and also in the relationship, if it's changes in the role is about prioritizing the connection. And I think this is something I want all of the listeners to think about that prioritizing physical touch is really important in relationship because what happens is when we are not having sex at times, people are not as connecting physically with their partner because maybe one partner is more interested in resuming sexual encounters and the other partner doesn't want to give them a wrong message. So it's really important to reintroduce physical touch. That's really important. The other part is like communicate openly, like maybe think about it separately what happened that you're in this place and communicate with your partner about what is our sexual health plan moving forward? What kind of experiences we want to have? Maybe it could be we can start with naked cuddling or it could be sexual massage. It doesn't mean that they have to resume the experience, but mm-hmm. it could be uh, sex can be so many different things. And if you've been working on it for a few months and it's not getting better, I recommend people to ask for help because the longer you wait, the more complicated things can get. So definitely a sex therapist can help you to navigate some of these challenges as well. Oh, it's so good. I know that there's people listening that really needed to hear this. And I feel like we've covered a lot today. I do want to ask you if there's anything that we haven't talked about when it comes to just having a great sex life or you know, just anything in general that you would want people to think about would love to hear from you if there's anything else. Absolutely. One thing that I want people to think about, the importance of prioritizing pleasure in life. 
we are in a world that we're kind of like uh, we are focused on productivity and kind of like getting things done. But if the more that you're connected with pleasure, it will help you to be able to experience more joy in life. And it's important to think about sexual experiences as a pleasurable encounter. Sometimes people think about it as uh, like whether we got either uh, orgasm or not. It's a pass or fail situation. But the goal and my invitation for you is to think about it. Is it pleasurable or not? So good. I love that. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's in all areas of life as well. Going back to where we started talking about how your sexual health and sexual identity impacts all areas of your life. So you gave us so much incredible information. How can people connect with you? Where do they find you? Well, thank you. They can check out uh, my podcast, sexologypodcast.com, or they can check out my Instagram page at sexologypodcast. I read the DMs and I post there daily and I would love to connect with your listeners. Awesome. Yeah. And I can say that your Instagram has a ton of awesome information. So yeah, make sure you go check that out. And of course, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest. I know this interview is going to help a lot of people who tuned in. So thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for the invitation and thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Yes. And to all the listeners, we are wishing you high self-worth and great relationships until next time. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce, And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.